KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case out of North Carolina this fall that could radically change American elections. Our guest for this discussion about the independent state legislature doctrine is Craig Green, professor of law at Temple University Beasley School of Law. So to start, I want you to kind of define the independent state legislature theory, because to me as a layman, what I've read about, it sounds kind of bonkers, but kind of just give me the the, the law school definition of what this is. The thing to say, first of all, is uh, almost everything, almost all the time that any state legislature does, it's bound by the state constitution, has to respect state constitutional rights, has to respect state legislative processes with like governor's veto or whatever the state constitution says. Ordinarily, all the time, a state legislature has to follow state judges, state law, state constitution, state vetoes, all that stuff. The independent state legislature doctrine focuses on a provision of the federal constitution that says that when there are elections for federal senators and federal representatives, the method of picking, electing federal senators and federal representatives is whatever the legislature shall direct, whatever the legislature shall direct. It only mentions explicitly, not the state government, not the state legislature alone. And this theory is that the state legislature, when it sets up rules for electing federal representatives, federal senators, the state legislature can break free of all the ordinary constraints of state constitutional law, state rights, state responsibilities, state structures. So our case, this case about North Carolina, the North Carolina legislature had drawn up an election map and the North Carolina courts said that map violates state law. And this case going to the U.S. Supreme Court is kind of, who cares about state law? If the state legislature said it, to heck with the rest. And I think that's the issue that the independent state legislature doctrine is all about whether in the context of federal elections for senators and representatives, the state legislature can just break free of all other parts of state government, of states' rights, of state responsibilities under the state constitutional law, and can just do literally whatever it wants. Draw up a map for the electorate that violates state law, fine. Violates uh, state constitutional rights, fine. Violates state court orders, fine. Violates a gubernatorial veto, fine. You know, all of these things, I think, are independent state legislature. They quote a language from uh, this word, the legislature in the federal constitution, and they use it in a way, the, argue, the argument is to use it in a way that is radically different from anything that has ever happened in American democracy before, uh, where a state legislature for the first time can just do whatever it wants, uh, violating state law and state courts and state, you know, all those things, uh, and can just literally do whatever it wants, the legislature can, without regard for any other provision or any other institution of state law. And that's what the Supreme Court of the United States is going to decide whether that's true across the country in every state legislature in the land, and that would have radical consequences for American democracy. You mentioned the case that they're going to hear is out of North Carolina. Is this doctrine, this theory, this isn't new, right? This has been banging around for years, am I correct? The right thing to say is this has been an extraordinarily fringe doctrine 
for a long time. So the first time anybody ever, I'm aware, first time anybody ever said anything about this doctrine was in Bush v. Gore, and it wasn't a majority opinion. It was by one of the most conservative justices on the court at that time, Chief Justice William Rehnquist, a very, very conservative justice. Uh, and he indicated the possibility that maybe the Supreme Court shouldn't listen to state courts and should just do whatever the legislature said. Fast forward, we heard version of this argument, not in connection with electing senators or representatives, but there's an identical clause, nearly identical clause concerning presidential elections. And in the election of 2020, uh, one of the absolutely most outlandish and outer fringe theories uh, of the election was, well, if a state legislature doesn't approve of something that happened in their state election for the federal presidency, maybe the state legislature can just do whatever it wants and send electors from the state that don't match the electoral tallies, don't match the people's votes in their state. Maybe the state legislature can just break free, can get free of all of the other rules and procedures they have to follow and can just pick whatever presidential electors they want. Very relevant in Pennsylvania, where the General Assembly has a Republican majority and there was pressure uh, on Republican members of the General Assembly, and some of the General Assembly members uh, said things uh, in quiet voices about the possibility, maybe we do have the federal constitutional authority to ignore everything else about state law, including the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, including the actual vote tallies that the Electoral Commission is certifying and counting up as valid. Maybe we could disregard all of that and just choose who we want to send down uh, to D.C., uh, as our presidential lecturers from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So it has been present for a while, but its prevalence, uh, its mainstream, its crossover power into the mainstream, I think is a very new development. And I think we haven't seen anything of any appreciable weight since, you know, at least since 2020, really. And since that time, uh, some of the, especially the, the most conservative justices on the court and Trump-era judicial appointees, uh, some of them have indicated an openness to this theory that would have these very dramatic consequences in the case that's being heard, in the case of uh, representatives uh, to Congress and senators, but in the case that kind of was already bouncing around the court in 2020, also including presidential electors. Uh, maybe the state legislature can break free of all other legal requirements and just do whatever it wants to do. Uh, that is a, a really a, a, a terrifying possibility um, for a number of states, certainly including Pennsylvania. Let's say in 2024, the Democrat beats the Republican 53-47. It's a solid, you know, it, it's not a recount. It's not, it's, you know, by eight by 8.30, 9 o'clock on election night, it shows what the results are. By this, it, if it's a Republican legislature... If this were in place, they could just say, yeah, that's nice, but we will be sending these electoral votes to represent a Republican slate of electors, and there is nothing anyone can do about it. It's that really kind of cut and dry? Yeah, I, I think that it is. And I, you know, the court can do a lot of different things. They could write a more narrow ruling. Um, well, this case only holds this, and it doesn't hold that. They could do some narrower things. 
But I think the ultimate principle, which is why people call it the independent state legislature doctrine, uh, what would the state legislature be free of? They would be free of the constraints of state law. Uh, all of the things of state law, they would be free of. And it is only state law that requires presidential electors to match the vote counts in the state. That's only state law requires that, not something else. The federal constitution does not require that electors be chosen by the popular vote. And, you know, different states actually even today do it in slightly different ways. Uh, it is only state law that does that thing. And um, the ability to break free of the category of state law, it seems to me, includes the ability to break free of all state law, including this very, very basic democratic requirement. You got to send the electors that match the voters. You got to send the representatives that match the voters. You got to send the senators that match the voters. There's it's state law that says those things. And so the ability of a legislature to break past all those requirements and just do its own thing after the election has already happened. Um, I think that's what's at stake in this federal constitutional issue that had been very fringe and sort of uh, taken, um, you know, sort of almost uh, uh, comedically. Uh, but it's deadly serious that the Supreme Court is hearing this case. And I think its consequences for American democracy are unclear, uh, but very dramatic and concerning. How surprised are you that they took the case? I am surprised because to get a case to the Supreme Court, you have to count four votes. So only four votes are required for the uh, court to hear a case. And I think, you know, Alito and Thomas and I guess maybe Gorsuch and maybe a Kavanaugh. And then I guess, you know, they only want to hear the case if they think they know. They know their colleagues perfectly well. They have discussions about the case. Uh, the four who I think would have voted to grant are betting on they can find a fifth. You know, so I think the grant, the idea that there were four votes to grant this case, I think is very concerning at the possibility there might be five votes to endorse this theory for the first time. So I, you know, I think the theory is is uh, very distressing and contrary to American traditions uh, and constitutional law. So I, you know, I was surprised to see that the court decided to hear the case. If they decide to accept the theory, of course, I'll also be surprised. But these are surprising times. And the court has done a number of things that people five years ago, 10 years ago, never mind 20 years ago, they would never have believed it was possible that the Supreme Court would do some of the things that it already has done this term and that it is bracing to do next term as well. We need to take a break. We will have more with Craig Green right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back continuing our conversation about the independent state legislature doctrine with Craig Green. Do you think there is an appreciation of what the chaos that this case could, I don't think you have to work very hard to look three, four steps down the line that if this is adopted and then in 2024, if a couple states kind of give the voters the bird and do whatever they want, uh, it's going to be awful. And do you think there's any appreciation or is this looked at more as just kind of an intellectual exercise and kind of flexing muscles that, you know, well, we read this differently than other people and we're in charge now, so you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I think the way the court thinks of it or the way these justices who've endorsed this theory think of it uh, and maybe the way that a majority would think of it to vote in favor of the theory in this case, the way they think of it is 
uh, states are fundamental and states are uh, inherently democratic. And this is an issue for state legislatures as uh, states set them up to decide. And so the court would say, uh, endorsing this theory, they would say the federal constitution leaves it up to state democracy represented by state legislatures. And they would say things like, state courts should stay out of this business. That's what they would say. They might even say state governors should stay out of this business. That's what they might say. This is a matter between uh, state legislatures and their public conscience, by which I mean the electorate that put them in power. Um, and uh, if, they, if the public doesn't like it, they should vote against it, and they should vote for people whom they trust to exercise this responsibility. Now, that all sounds fine enough in the abstract, but that's the political theory for it. I think for a crisis to happen, you would have to have, I think, a very close election. Uh, you would have to have allegations, perhaps unproved allegations, of irregularities or fraud in electoral processes. And then I think it becomes plausible to think that a state legislature would put its neck on the line to pick somebody whom the electorate didn't pick. In a super tight election with a lot of other noise and confusion and quite possibly uh, lies and fraud, uh, you know, that's the kind of scenario where it becomes plausible to imagine. You know, it's a 60-30 election, um, you know, and the that's implausible. And the legislature picks the 30%. That's implausible. It's not going to happen. I, very unlikely. Of course, if they happened, who knows what would happen. But that's very, very unlikely to happen because how do those legislatures even get there with the public so out of whack with their point of view? There is a, a There are a lot of mechanisms that try to keep state legislatures in touch with the views of the public. The problem is in a state like Pennsylvania, not the only state, where actually the public is pretty divided on a lot of issues. And so by a relatively small margin, it, and of course, uh, uh, manipulated maps, the General Assembly, the state legislature doesn't necessarily precisely match exactly that fine-grained division between, for example, Democrats and Republicans. And then in a world where, of course, everyone knows uh, where basic ideas about truth telling and uh, about you know science and about you know what actually happened, those things are under assault. And so a lot of the ingredients for a very dangerous brew, uh, those ingredients we saw them in 2020. You know, you didn't have to think about uh, January 6th and marching the Capitol. We saw across the country in different states, we saw real challenges to basic features of American democracy that did not succeed. In 2020, but it is not impossible. Thinking of this as one more ingredient, this doctrine, the Supreme Court would be one more ingredient in that dangerous brew. It's not impossible to think that 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 could happen. Any of us think that that could happen because we kind of almost saw it happen. Um, and uh, so I think that this this type of doctrine is really dangerous. But the court, if they vote that way, the court won't see it as dangerous. They'll see it as authentic democracy between a state legislature and a state's public. They'll see it as getting out of the way, uh, unelected, or of course in Pennsylvania, elected state judges uh, and state constitutional law that are interpreted by other elites or something like this, to the kind of argument you would uh, read in such an opinion. And that the federal constitution says very clearly, and it does, that in the manner the legislature may direct. The legislature doesn't say somebody else, the legislature. Now, let me just say one quick thing as the counter argument, which is where I started. The one quick thing as counter argument is, Everything a legislature does 
is constructed by and empowered by and authorized by the state constitution. There is no general assembly outside of the Pennsylvania constitution. There's a general assembly because of the Pennsylvania constitution. So the counter argument, the argument against the independent state legislature doctrine, there is no state legislature that is independent of state law. That makes no sense. Uh, state legislature is composed of and limited by and restricted by and embedded in state constitutional law. It's created by state constitutional law. And there's no way for a state legislature for any purpose to break out of that thing uh, and become and still be the state legislature. If they break out of that thing, they're insurgents and insurrectionists abusing power. You know, that's the kind of argument. If Congress didn't follow the federal constitution, it wouldn't be Congress. It would be a coup. And I think this is the kind of argument on the other side is that, you know, this independent state legislature doctrine really uh, tears at basic fabric assumptions about how legislatures work and how a law works and the kind of constraints that apply to a state legislature all the time, not some of the time, not all the times except for two times, all the time. State legislatures, so goes the argument, are constrained by, limited by, composed by, and working within state constitutional law frameworks, including, yes, state judges, including, yes, state judges, including, yes, gubernatorial vetoes, including that, including the requirement of state law to follow um, uh, state vote returns and ballots, you know, and and to, to, to allow, of course, in Pennsylvania, one of the issues was to allow fair and free election. In uh, the North Carolina case, the case that's going up, it's about uh, having uh, partisan gerrymandering. They have a state constitutional provision against state uh, against partisan gerrymandering. All those constraints apply to state legislatures. So goes the argument all of the time, not some of the time. And this U.S. Supreme Court using the U.S. Constitution has no business at all uh, jumping in and uh, breaking a state legislature out of state uh, legal framework. Uh, that, that's, that's, a, that's what really makes it so dramatic and upsetting, I think, this possibility. They are going to hear this, I think, in October is when the they will hear arguments and we would get the decision in 2023. Is there anything you would expect or could be into the works to try to neutralize this? Is there like a you talked about the counter argument? Is there a counterbalance that could be put in place or people should start to look to to not give it the ability to turn everything we've known about elections upside down? I think there are a couple things. The first thing to say is federal constitutional law is going to be what the U.S. Supreme Court says it's going to be. And I think that uh, your listeners have seen that time and time again with abortion rights, with gun rights, with all kinds of things like this. The federal constitutional law, I don't see any really plausible fix. There's not going to be a constitutional amendment. Um, there's not going to be court packing. Uh, there's a lot of things that could happen in some abstract way. It's not realistic, given the divided politics that that exist. I think that there are two in this particular area, assuming the U.S. Supreme Court adopts some version of the independent state legislature doctrine, there are really only two possible remedies that I can see as even, even vaguely realistic. In this case, a case about senators and representatives, uh, the Constitution says that Congress has the authority to step in and manage various aspects of how federal elections happen. Now, in the current context, that's unrealistic, too, because you can't imagine Congress getting involved in passing nationwide legislation, even to say something as simple as all the time the votes have to match the tallies. You can't even imagine Congress passing that kind of a law today. But 
you know, but maybe that's, you know, that's one uh, very clear legal remedy that the American people have. Uh, they could elect the kind of Congress people and senators who would enact that kind of legislation in response to this kind of judicial decision. That's one thing they could do. But I tell you, in the context of presidential electors, which I think this case has direct implications for presidential elections, in the context of presidential elections, there is no congressional backstop. There is no possibility of passing a federal law that would require anything of a state legislature in picking state electors in a federal presidential election. And that means that the only solution to having responsible state legislatures is to elect responsible state legislatures. That's the only remedy there is if this doctrine is adopted by the U.S. Supreme Court. The American people state by state are responsible for electing legislators, just legislators, who would not abuse this power and threaten the basic fabric of American democracy. Now, that doesn't sound so hard, except sometimes it does. Uh, I think, uh, you know, given some of the very dangerous ingredients that we've seen in American politics, in some sense, you don't, uh, American people don't necessarily know whom they've got until the crisis hits. And then they learn too late that maybe the people they were trusting to be reasonable, responsible public officials working for the good of the people People don't always show up that way. And of course, uh, you know, anyone knows around the world, you can see different crisis points uh, in different points in history where that's happened, where there have been things that amount to coups, that amount to abuses of public democracy, that amount to departures from basic ideas about law. This Supreme Court decision, if it were to adopt the independent state legislature doctrine, it seems to me it creates a clear and unobstructed avenue for something horrible as a possibility, a possibility of something that could happen um, in American democracy that didn't used to exist, wouldn't exist before the decision, it would exist after the decision. And I, as I say, in a world where I think many of your listeners will feel American politics turns upside down every Thursday, um, I think this doctrine uh, presents, you know, a kind of an, an uncharted and uh, unsettling possibility uh, where something else and something new could go wrong in very dramatic ways, very possibly would have gone wrong in the 2020 election. And therefore, the only solution is American voters have to do better uh, leading up to the 2024 election in putting people in place whom they can trust to execute public responsibilities. I'm talking about state legislators and to make their to try to bridge some kind of a gap and reach some kind of an electoral result that doesn't come down to a razor's edge because that sort of thing, the razor's edge election is a scenario um, for all these kinds of possible shenanigans and abuses of public trust. Um, if the American public has any kind of a unity in choosing a candidate on a state-by-state -state basis, because that's how presidential elections work, um, but I think if there's any chance of that, then then all these other things will move back into the shadows as like, um, you know, possibilities that uh, academics talk about, but uh, regular people don't have to worry about. Um, but that depends on America. It doesn't depend on the court. It doesn't depend on constitutional theory. It depends on American politics. And um, I think right now uh, is, a, is, a, is a troubling time to think about some of those possibilities. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. 
You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.